Okay. Hi, everyone. So, uh, spring is here, at least in uh, this part of the world, on the beautiful west coast of Canada, that is. And to be a confessional for a moment, nothing makes me feel better than sunlight and warm weather. So, anyway, since it's starting to be that time of year, I thought it might be fitting and interesting to reflect a bit on that great star of ours. You know, the one that graces us with the child of the morning, the uh, rosy-fingered dawn. Okay, well, so here goes then. Okay, well, so the sun has had many symbolic meanings. I mean, first of all, many very ancient societies took it to be an outright god. The Egyptians and the Persians come to mind here, and uh, even the Greeks. And they took it to be a god, of course, because of the the life-saving benefits it brought to humankind. You know, it's, uh, it's the cause of growth in nature, and it produces the seasons, and so on. So, there's a crucial, practical, life-sustaining or nurturing element to the sun that makes it divine and an object of worship. Oh, and um, let's not forget its, its shape as well. I mean, for, for many ancients, the circle was considered the perfect shape. Another reason to associate the sun with the divine. But, you know, it wasn't just the the ancient cultures that took the sun to be divine, or, more accurately, symbolic of it. I mean, many Christians, including Dante, did too. Actually, many of the Christian faith took the sun to be symbolic of uh, Christ's resurrection. That's why most churches of the medieval period were built with the, the main altar facing east. Because just like the sun rises from the east after the the dark of night, Christ rose from the tomb after conquering death. Anyway, but the sun had many other important symbolic associations too. For example, some, like the, the Greek poet Pindar, took the sun and its light to be associated not so much with um, divine nurture, but with knowledge. And so, of course, he took the opposite, darkness to be associated with ignorance. Actually, you know, the pre-Socratic Parmenides also said something very similar. He associated light with intelligence, but also with truth. And that association with truth is really, really important because it influenced, well, in turn, one of the most influential thinkers ever, Plato. And we see this symbol of light as truth, as, um, as metaphysical truth, actually, may be best expressed in Plato's famous allegory of the cave in the Republic. There, the, the transition from the darkness of the cave to the light above ground is meant to represent the movement away from the, the dim and confused opinions of human beings to the clear light of the absolute and certain truth. Actually, you know, speaking of suns and caves... These things are also employed symbolically by by Nietzsche, in particular in his great work, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. So, what Nietzsche does there is he associates the sun with the idea of of overabundance and overflowing. That's to say, the sun is that which is constantly streaming forth, in the sense that it just never stops giving its gift of light. And, um, importantly... 
never asks for anything in return, either. In fact, the sun's happiness depends on it being able to give light. It needs people and things to shine on. As uh, Zarathustra says to the sun, Great star, what would your happiness be had you not those for whom to shine? And in fact, Zarathustra himself is actually likened in many ways to the sun. I mean, the book begins with uh, Zarathustra leaving his cave where he spent many years in reflective solitude. And the reason he's leaving is because, like the sun, he's brimming. He's brimming with so much wisdom now that he just needs to impart what he's learned to others. Anyway, I think that may be part of Nietzsche's message here, is that we should all strive to be like the sun, like a bee that's gathered too much honey, like a cup that's overflowing. In other words, we should strive to be so full of the plenitude of being, so magnanimous or great-souled, as Aristotle would put it, that generosity and light and gift-giving is what we overflow with and want and need others to receive. Like the sun, we should learn to love with a love that lights up the whole sky. And um, finally, I don't think I can talk about the symbolism of the sun without saying something about Albert Camus. I mean, his use of the sun in his novels and writings is, is pervasive. So, for Camus, the sun has a, has a dual nature. On the one hand, the sun's the source of all light, of all life and happiness and, and beauty and optimism. But on the other hand, it's violent and destructive and merciless. It's an incendiary sun. That's to say, it eventually burns everything up. In this sense, then, the sun confirms the, the transience of all of our lives and achievements. So, for Camus, what this dual nature of the sun teaches us, then, is that the world is beautiful, and that outside of it, there is no salvation. In other words, what the sun counsels us is to be happy, and to enjoy life, and to love it with complete abandon, for the very reason that there is no other life than this one, since death is a closed door. Ultimately, what the sun symbolizes for Camus is the complete indifference of a universe into which we are born through no will of our own, and which will go on heedless of our deaths. In other words, what the great star reminds us is that we are not everything. The sun was there long before we arrived, and it'll be there long after we're gone. Nature is just bigger than us, and the sun teaches us this. So, the sun and its solar energy is the source of life and, and beauty, yes. But let's also remember that, that a billion years from now, the sun will become hot enough to boil our oceans and that a few billion years later, it will become a red giant so large that it'll engulf our planet. Helios's strong and piercing gaze that once brought us light and life is destined to be but a cold and lifeless death stare. <laughs>